0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. That is going to be a theme, as Brother Terry has mentioned. theme for a few weeks, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. God, let us be a generation that seeks your face. O oh, God of Jacob. That's a song, of course. We just heard it. We've sung it here before. A song that was birthed about 20 years ago, a little more than 20 years ago. Somewhere around 1994, a young man at the time, 21 years old, name of... Uh, Charlie Hall wrote that song. The inspiration came directly from Scripture. Somewhat along the lines of what we heard from Matt Redmond this morning. Song came straight from the Psalms. So when Charlie tells his story, he says, Sometimes I'm just reading Scripture and I come across a passage that it just it resonates with me and he responds he says i respond to god and what he he just says i just start singing back to god i just begin to sing to him he doesn't have a melody planned he doesn't have lyrics going on he just the scripture moves upon his heart and he said i just begin to sing it back to the lord and such was the case with this song that he wrote give us clean hands when charlie came across the scripture that inspired him he he said that happened in his heart he said I want to be that. I want to be that generation that seeks your face. I want to be a person with clean hands and a pure heart. And the scripture that he was reading where this song was inspired, it was Psalm 24. And I want to take the time to read this morning Psalm 24. I'll read the whole thing. It's just 10 verses. So if you have your Bible your electronic Bible, your paper Bible, whatever device you have, put Psalm number 24 right in front of you. Psalm 24 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? the Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle lift up your heads you gates lift them up you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in who is he this king of glory the Lord almighty he is the king of glory what an inspirational psalm! I can see where Charlie got his inspiration and you see the heart of it right there in verses 3 to 6 and he started singing those verses right back to God and a song was born but I begin to wonder what birthed the original song because Charlie really wasn't developing a brand new song was he really he was just doing a cover Charlie was doing a cover of the original song which was Psalm 24. So I thought, what was the inspiration behind Psalm number 24? Now, of course, the Spirit of God inspires Scripture. The Spirit of God was the inspiration, but often that inspiration came to someone through their circumstances in life. They're having a downtime, they're having an uptime, and the Lord moves upon them and they write about it. And that was the way the Psalms were. These were songs from the heart about life's woes and troubles and about life's great times. So what was it for this original song number Psalm 20 or Psalm 24 and I say the inspiration was the wall. The wall was the inspiration for Psalm 24 what wall what wall are we talking about what wall am I talking about someone saw the cover of the bulletin this morning said the wall they said oh you need a red tie and start moving your hair around not that wall okay that's not the wall but it's somewhat the same thought it's a separation the wall of separation was the inspiration for psalm 24 and i'll give you an example of the wall that i'm talking about if you were to bump into charlie hall who wrote the song give us clean hands if you saw him walking down the street at least some of us i'm guessing some of us would put up a wall charlie doesn't look like a lot of us look like He sports these gauges in his ears. He usually has a beard going on, a goatee, sometimes a goatee. A lot of times it's a big old bushy beard. Or his goatee, it's it's typically never short, although he's had it short. It goes long. might have a big old long goatee, sometimes braids it up in a straight line. And I'm just guessing uh, some of us might say, well, I don't know. Boy, that guy really needs to shave. And... Look at those ears. I don't really want to talk to that guy. And that's really not unusual. It's somewhat our human nature. And it's happened. It happens. It happens frequently. I've got a little example, as a matter of fact, about how common this is. Not unusual. A while back, I remember seeing this about the Duck Dynasty guys. You know, they're bushy beard guys. They look a little different than most of us look like. And when they visited New York, well, a wall went up, I'll just say. And I've got a little clip uh, of when they did that, and just take a look at it. First thing that happened to me at the hotel is I got escorted out. Why? But I think it was a facial profiling deal. <laughs> uh, that's all. That's all. I asked where the bathroom Yeah, I asked where the bathroom was and he said, right this way, sir. He was very nice. <laughs> and he,
1: walked the hotel. he walked
0: outside, he pointed down the road and said, Good luck. Have a good day. <laughs> so I circled back around and my wife said, What happened? I said, I just got kicked out. So there's that Jace Robertson guy, you know, he visits New York, walks into his hotel where he's he has a room booked, everything but he needs to use the restroom first, right? And they say, okay, here it is. Out the door. He calls it facial profiling. And I think some of that goes on. The wall goes up. I don't want to see that face. We have too much of it. We have too much of this for silly, arbitrary reasons like that person doesn't look like me. Don't want to talk to him. That person They're not dressed like me. Let me show you the door. You know, you don't belong here. That kind of of thing is uncalled for. It's not necessary. And it's a wall. It's a wall that we put between us and other people. And this wall goes up for many, many reasons. And this month, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what constitutes uh, the wall, because sometimes it's not just one thing, it's many. We, we put bricks down, and each brick might be an issue that we're dealing with, be it prejudice, to fear, arbitrary, selfish concerns, or many, many other things. But this morning, I want to address what, a, the, what inspired Psalm 24, the wall that inspired this psalm. I want this to be the introduction to this little series that we're going to have, and talk about this. What was this wall? In my view, it was a wall that inspired this psalm. A wall that hindered the psalmist from viewing God as the sovereign creator who ruled over all. The psalmist realized he was outside the presence of God. And so he questioned even being in God's very presence. Who can? He says, who can ascend the mountain of God? I'm not worthy it seems to be coming through who may stand in his holy place these were the questions of the psalmist and let's explore that and, and let's explore this the original song the original version of give me clean hands let's see how this came to be it was written by a king his name was King David in David's time God's presence resided in the place they called the Tabernacle. And I just want to give you a brief history of this. The Tabernacle was a tent, it remained a tent for almost 500 years, from the time of Moses, who first put together the Tabernacle, to, to the reign of David, and then through the reign of David until David's son, King Solomon, built a permanent temple. Exodus chapter 40 describes for us the very first time Moses constructed this tabernacle, this tent where God's presence was going to be. Moses put it together exactly, precisely how God had designed it and described it. In the center of this tabernacle, Moses placed what was called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was just a golden vault, if you will. A golden vault where Moses was to keep sacred things that God said put them in this ark this this container this holder this golden vault and it was things like a piece of manna that came from heaven it was the tablets on which the 10 commandments had been inscribed these represented god's covenant with moses and with the people so they put them in this ark And they called it the Ark of the Covenant because God made these promises. His promises were put inside there for the people to remember. And on the top of the Ark was a cover. On either side of the cover was cherubim, a representative of messengers of God, angels, protectors, and their wings were outspread over the top of this cover. The Ark was placed in the center of the tabernacle. They called it the Holy of Holies. And then God's presence fell on the tabernacle and it filled the entire thing. Exodus 40 at the end, it describes this great, great event. The cloud of the Lord came down, settled right on top of the tabernacle and it filled it. It says it filled the tabernacle. His presence, God's holy presence was visible to the people in this cloud. And then at night it says fire stood in the center of the cloud. So the presence of almighty God It was before the nation, day and night, this nation that was led by Moses. And the Ark of the Covenant was at the very center of it. Now, the people led by Moses, they ultimately settled in this place that God called the Promised Land. But things changed. They forgot about God, they forgot about his power, they rejected God. And they said, We want a king. We want a king. They longed to be like the nations around them. Their first real king, his name was Saul. Now Saul didn't do very well. King Saul let the Ark of the Covenant fall into the hands of the enemies, the Philistines. He wasn't careful about where God's presence was to reside. Now the Philistines, they took this ark, but they were struck with all kinds of troubles. They had issues of an infestation of rats. They had tumors, plague of tumors that fell on the people. And they realized something. The enemies, the Philistines realized that God's presence and power was with this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And and to their credit, they realized, we got to return it. We can't keep this thing. And they returned it, but they said, we can't return it, just just send it back. We need to provide a guilt offering to this God of Israel. Not only did they realize the power, they realized they ought to, they ought to repent, they ought to show some guilt, and they sent guilt offerings. They put this ark on a brand new cart, and they had two cows lead it on in to the land, and sure enough, it, they said, if it goes to Israel, we know God's hand is on it. And sure enough, it went right into the land of Israel. And the people of the town where the ark... Stopped with these two cows pulling it, they went up to the ark and they began to treat the ark like a novelty. They took the top off. Let's peer around and see what's inside. If you've ever seen that closing scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I know it goes way back. It's a classic movie, though. I really like it. I enjoy it. Dun, Dun 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 dun. Right, and then. What what does Dr. Jones say? Close your eyes. Don't look. When the Ark of the Covenants opened. Because here in this passage where the Ark, it's it's in the first book of Samuel where the Ark is returned. And and, in this town of Israel, people treat it like a novelty. They open it up and they begin to look inside and rummage around 70 of them that looked inside. 70 of them died. See, the seat of God's power and the seat of God's presence is no toy to be trifled with. The town, they were d- distressed. They called for this ark to be removed. We don't want it anymore. Of course, they're in a state of fear because they've realized there's power and there's a presence of Almighty God here. So the ark was removed. It went to a, a man's house called Abinadab. And now Abinadab respected God's presence power and his presence and he set his two sons to guard over the ark and he didn't trifle with it or treat it as a toy king Saul seemingly had forgotten all about the ark of the covenant he became fixated on eliminating his personal enemy the man that God had chosen to take the throne and that was king David and David was anointed a king as youth he was a young man when prophet Samuel anointed him Saul was still king at that time Now, David had a real desire for God. He had a heart for God. God blessed him. God's hand was upon him. But David had the worst possible transition that anyone could imagine. I mean, he was going to be king, but the king didn't want him. As a matter of fact, the king wanted to kill him. King Saul set out to kill David. David was on the run for a number of years until Saul, in a battle, is wounded. And he's wounded such that he says, I'm not going to be a prisoner a wounded prisoner of war, and he fell on his own sword and he took his life. So Saul's now dead. The man who seemingly forgot about God's presence and power in the Ark of the Covenant, he's dead. David begins to take charge over Israel. Now one of David's first accomplishments as king, as the official king, was the conquering of Jerusalem from the Jebusites. David took the city and he promptly renamed it City of David. David felt the power. This man was in his 30s. He was in the prime of his life. He was alive and he was powerful. He was invincible. So he thought. He's got himself a city now. This isn't going to be just a city. It's the city of David. And David begins to build himself a palace. Cedar logs are coming from the the region of Tyre. A crew of carpenters and a crew of stonemasons go to work on David's big palace. He begins to add to his harem. He adds concubines and wives while he's in Jerusalem. I mean, David, he is large and in charge. He has more than he's ever had. He's got the power. And then he remembers the Ark of the Covenant more power. See, it's been away from the tabernacle, not just for a couple years, 20 years. This is how long Saul neglected the Ark of the Covenant. This is how long it's been over at Abinadab's house. And David suddenly seems to remember, hey, there's some power. But he seemed to forget the sacredness and the holiness of Almighty God's presence. He forgot about the 70 who died treating the ark like a novelty. So David goes to Abinadab's house. He brings 30,000 men with him because he wants to show his power. He seems intoxicated with this newly acquired power. Big man, big king, big palace. Going to have a big army with the power of the ark going before it with great fanfare. He had the ark loaded onto a brand new cart. He's got a huge band, all kinds of instruments. They're going before the ark. And his men, it says in 2 Samuel, they are celebrating in front of this ark with all of their might. And as they celebrate, that cart begin to teeter. And the ark is going to slide off. It's going to fall down. Now there's a man with the ark who cares. There's a man who's watched over it. For 20 years, in the house of Abinadab, it's Abinadab's son, Uzzah. And Uzzah sees the ark, it's going to slide off, and he reaches out so that it won't fall. And when he puts his hand on the ark, he drops dead. The procession comes to a halt. The party atmosphere, it's over. The thrill of the strength then the power that David had, all the wind in his sails, gone. Gone. Immediately vanished. Because this crew of 30,000 dancing in front of the ark, pulled on a cart that's brand new, they saw the presence, they saw the power of Almighty God, and they saw it's not to be trifled with. It isn't for your own personal gain. Now this history, this history that I've just briefly shared with you begins in 1 Samuel chapter 4, goes through 2 Samuel chapter 6, 20 years. And now David witnesses this awesome power. And I imagine his blood ran cold. I imagine his blood ran cold. And I just want to give you a little view of how David saw this. This is 2 Samuel 6. Verses 8 through 11. Now remember, the, the ark has stopped. The procession has stopped. All the noise and, and, and the pomp and the circumstances and the fanfare has stopped. Imagine the crowd is silent and stunned. There's a dead guy laying right next to the ark. 2 Samuel 6, 8. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. Interesting pairing of words there. David picks Perez. We read there, it says, God's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. Perez means broken. It can mean broken out, and it can just mean broken. Perez Uza, Broken what? What does Uzzah mean? Uzzah means strength. Broken strength. David realized something. Broken strength. Whatever power and might he had, nothing compared to God. And David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. Verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. So David and his thousands are stopped in their tracks. The celebration has turned into a funeral. And what happened? Immediately, a wall went up. Immediately, a wall between David and God. And it's not as if a wall hadn't already been under construction. David had been building his wall quite well all by himself. His wall of power and his strength of his palace and his harem and all the like, forgetting about God. But now, immediately, there is a wall, a separation that goes up. He's angry. David's angry with the Lord. David is mad, but he's also frightened. He's also frightened, and out of this, out of his anger and fear, instantly he's blocked by God. He's afraid of God. He doesn't want to bring himself to put that ark in his city. He didn't want to be near it. He did not want to be near the presence of God. So he sent the ark to someone else's house, Obed-Edom. Now three months it was there. And during that three months it's evident that David's attitude changed. He had to deal with this wall of separation that that he put up between himself and God. And most Bible scholars point to this time as to where Psalm 24 was written. It was written before the ark actually came into the city of David. It was written while the ark was at Obed-Edom's and waiting to come into the city if it would ever come. David was dealing with his wall and I say it was a wall in his life. It was a wall that separated him from God and it it, it got him to do a little introspection and it inspired him to write this song. And what did David realize? He realized he demoted God. God was no longer over David. No, David was in charge. David was directing God. David was going to be the sovereign. David was going to have a city named as his own city. David was going to be the first. God was going to be subordinate. And of course, God was having none of that. And David seems to come to realize that. And so the psalm now identifies God is first. Above all, it begins. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and everything that that is there, all of that belongs to God. There's an acknowledgement. God's in charge. Because this wall had separated, and the primary reason for separation from God is idolatry. David put his greatness above God. He neglected God's greatness. He neglected God's presence. And it seemed that David began to idolize himself. Now that's been the problem since the beginning of time. There was a problem with Lucifer who put himself above God. He said, I will ascend the hill of God. I will put myself above God. He said, five eyes, I will. I will ascend. I will sit on the throne. I will be above God, etc. And of course, what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? Well, they desired to be like God. And no good and evil, that was their problem. They wanted to raise themselves up above God, and up goes the wall of separation. God can never be subordinate to us. We are the creatures. He is the Creator. God is sovereign above all. And now with this realization, David poses the question, who can ascend the hill of God? Who can stand in His holy place? if he had stopped there, we'd be left hanging. But he didn't. See, he answered the question. He gave us the answer. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. David had trusted in himself. He had trusted in his outward power, his might, his strength, and all of it. His army. It was an idol. It was a false God that he had raised above the true God. David might have appeared to be the guy with clean hands. Hourly appeared like he was doing the right thing. Oh, hey, David, our great king is going to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant and he's going to bring it back and put it in its rightful place. But what about his heart? It's all about him. See, Jesus said this, the same to the Pharisees. You're clean on the outside. Look great. You look white, but you're whitewashed tombs. You're clean on the outside, but inside. What's inside? You're full of greed. You are full of self-indulgements, hypocrisy, wickedness, dead men's bones. And the difference between the outside and the inside. There's the wall. There's the wall. Right there separates us. It's not enough to have clean hands. It's not enough to have clean hands before your peers at school. It's not enough to have clean hands before your family. It's not enough to have clean hands before your co-workers. Clean heart. God sees the heart. true faith, true devotion to God, that's that's an internal proposition as much as it's an eternal proposition. It's a matter of the inner person it's a matter of the heart because the heart influences the whole person the heart influences all of life Paul wrote this to his protege Timothy he said Timothy there are those that have a form of godliness but but they deny its power if our faith and devotion to God is only a form of godliness outward appearance denying God's power, then what do we have? We have a wall of separation between us and God's holy, true presence. We can be like David. I have put up that wall in my life. I have been angry with God. It has happened. And it can happen to all of us. That We can have those moments of no way, I, I can't take this anymore, or how could you do that? And it affects our relationship with God. But when we have clean hands and a pure heart that are united, and we trust God and not ourselves, which I know that's easier said than done, and it's a challenge, and it can challenge all of us, but we need to face it and we need to trust God and not ourselves. And when we do that and our hands and our hearts are aligned, it's then that we can ascend the hill of God and stand in his presence. It's then we can ask and seek his blessing. Whose blessing? Whose blessing? Uh, David had listed all these things about God, but he said, the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob, who is this God of Jacob? David had called him the Lord. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. The, the Lord uh, almighty. The King of glory. These were all images of strength and power and might. I think the things that David was dealing with. But then in the middle of this psalm, he, he calls him the God of Jacob. And who is that Jacob? Jacob was one of David's ancestors. He was the father of the nation. Jacob was also called Israel. This almighty, all-powerful God, this king of glory, was the God of Jacob, who is a covenant God. That's what was represented in this thing called the ark. The prophets wrote about the covenant, the promise. The promise says that God made with Jacob, who was also called Israel. The prophets wrote, God confirmed his covenant with Jacob. It says in other places, uh, he, he has made a covenant and he has kept his covenant. In other words, what? God is a God of promises. God is a God of covenants. But he's also a promise keeper. And David had neglected this. He had neglected God's awesome power and his presence. And he may have even forgot that God is a covenant God. A God who makes and keeps promises. And God had promised blessing on Abraham, the first founder of the nation. And then on Isaac and Jacob, whose name became Israel, and the nation was named after him. David had sent this ark of the blessing, this ark of the covenant, to Obed-Edom. And what did he see? He saw Obed-Edom was getting blessed. So David went again to get this ark. He went again. But this time he went with a newfound perspective. And Sometimes that has to happen with us. We have to find this newfound perspective. What was David's perspective now? And you can read it and finish 2 Samuel 6, but I'll give you a little summary. David viewed God now in his rightful place as almighty, as overall, above all, as, in a word, sovereign. David's hands and his heart were now in sync. That is to say that David's inward motive and his outward actions were now in unity. And it's then, and only then, that David could seek God's face. And that is to say, God, smile on me. God, I want to see your face. In other words, I want your favor. I'm asking for your blessing. What did David do so differently when he went to Obed-Edom's house? He didn't bring the army. He didn't put the ark on a cart. He had it carried the way it was intended. Before it was carried more than six steps. David, stop! He makes sacrifices. He begins to make sacrifices to Almighty God. He didn't dress in the uniform of battle. He didn't go in his his armor with his sword. No, he put on the, the ephod of a priest. And he danced and he celebrated before the ark. Now, And this time he didn't celebrate David's power and David's strength. No, he celebrated God's presence, God's power. David dedicated his celebration to the Lord and he danced before the Lord. And at the end of 2 Samuel 6, David said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Now, there's a change of perspective. He humbled himself. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves. It's hard. Swallow our pride. Humble ourselves before God. God, I've put myself first. I put a wall between me and you. That might be even with other people in our lives that we put this wall. And you might be thinking, clean hands, pure heart, to seek God's face, it's never going to happen for me. I'm dirty. My heart's never going to be pure enough to say I'm clean. I keep falling short and don't I know I know it. I realize it. it's easy enough to say who can be in God's holy presence who can ascend the hill easy enough to give the answer the one with clean hands and a pure heart but no one's ever going to have that I will never be clean enough I will never have clean enough hands I will never have a pure enough heart you might be saying that and you're right you're absolutely right And that's why David's words here were inspired. They are prophetic. This covenant God of Jacob that he talked about, the creator God that he begins this psalm with, the victorious God that he ends the psalm with, this God who had once said his presence on the Ark of the Covenant made a promise. He promised a way for any and all to enter his presence. No Ark needed. No tabernacle needed. None of that is required. The covenant God promised a way for any and all to be declared righteous, to be declared clean, to be declared that you have a clean hand and a pure heart. Really? Tell me about that. I need that. Yeah, the promise. The promise is Jesus. The covenant God promised a way for any and all to be declared righteous and clean by Jesus Christ. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ. He was the promised savior, the only person who walked to this earth with the qualification of clean hands and a pure heart. He's the only one who could say, "I have perfectly clean hands. I have the perfectly clean heart. I can ascend the hill. I can enter the holy of holies in heaven, and I'll do it for you. And I'll make a way for you." And we sing songs about the veil is torn because there was a veil that separated people a wall if you will that kept them out of the holy of holies and Christ Jesus eliminated it he took it away he gave his life on a cross to enter this holy of holy in heaven for you and me and when any any come to Christ repenting turning from the dirt and the corruption and the sin and the stains in the heart And the stains on the hand and all these things that put up the wall. Christ can wash that away. And he did wash it away. That's why he died. That's why he gave his life. He gave his life as a sacrifice, a payment for this. And that's why we commemorate him this morning. We commemorate Jesus in our time of communion. It's the time to deal with the wall. It's the time for all of us to deal with the wall. First, I want to say, if you've never come to Jesus Christ, we're going to have communion in a minute. We're, we are going to commemorate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're welcome to participate if you turn your life to Him, if you yield your heart to Him. Now we we ask that no little children who don't understand this idea of repentance and and turning to Jesus that they, they refrain but if there's a wall between you and God this morning a wall you've never dealt with a wall that's been there that you've you've kept up and you know yeah, I'm, I'm not clean enough I'm not, I'm not worthy enough my hands and my heart aren't right you can make the decision right now to take care of that when Paul the Apostle once told a king About his ministry. And Paul said, I preached to all that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. And you can do that this morning. You can repent, turn your heart to Jesus Christ. And then you can demonstrate that repentance, not just here this morning, but as you go out, demonstrate. Your difference. Demonstrate like David demonstrated how he dealt with his wall. There's no doubt he repented before God. Acknowledged him as God and king and creator of the world. So before we dismiss our elders and our deacons, I just want to pray with you. Pray with anyone here who might say, I need it today. I've never really done that. Let's just take a minute. Father God in heaven if there's any sitting in this sanctuary this morning that says yeah I got that wall that I've never dealt with a separation between me and you God I know you created me I'm I I I get it I've been realizing your creative power and your might I've neglected it I've not been uh, honoring that and I need your forgiveness and yeah I am dirty my hands have been dirty my heart's been dirty I want to tell you, God, I'm, I am sorry about it. I need to deal with it. This repentance thing, it means to turn. God, I, I, I want to turn from this dirt in my life. Help me. Jesus did it. Hard, hard for me to believe, God. I, it's very t- tough for me to believe Jesus did this. You're, you're saying he gave the opportunity for me to get clean? I want to receive it, and I'll ask you to do that, God, to just clean me by his sacrifice. If I stand behind him and I'm righteous and clean, thank you for that, I'll take it. I will take it, and I'll do my best to stay right behind him in his righteousness, and God, if that gives me the privilege to seek your face and ask you to smile on me with blessing, I'll take that too, God. I'll ask you to bless me and bless me even now as I receive the communion. Thank you, God. Thank you. I believe it and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll ask our elders and our deacons, if you will, prepare. And as they hand out the bread, hold that bread. We do want to bless it. We want to remember what Jesus did for us and breaking down a barrier and knocking down a wall for us. It's so easy for us sometimes to neglect it. It is easy for us to get angry with God. It's easy for us to fear, be afraid of Him. Yes, He is holy. Yes, He is all powerful but he's also kind. We started this service with Psalm 103. It says, his tender mercies and loving kindness, he will crown you with that. That's what Psalm 103 says. Heals all our diseases, forgives our iniquities, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. I don't know about you, I want to seek that from God. I want that smile. I want his face. And I know I've struggled with it. I've dealt with it. I've wrestled with it. I've been angry with him. I've had hard times, lives lost, angry with God, the why questions. But I need to realize he created me, and I didn't create him. And when I realize that, I begin to deal with that wall, We can deal with the wall before our communion time. The Apostle Paul gave us the opportunity to do just that. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. There's the wall. Everyone ought to examine themselves. Here's how we deal with it. Here's how we deal with the separation. Here's how we deal with the wall. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. See, this is a great opportunity for us to deal with anything that may be separating us from God. Have you been angry with God? Have you been railing against him for something going on in your life, something going on in the country? You know, a lot of things are happening. From the natural disasters to the hate that seems so prevalent in the world, has it caused you to separate from God? Why? What's going on? Aren't you in control? He is. We have to trust him. We have to yield to him. So take a minute right now. Take a minute or two. And if you got a wall, if you have a separation, do what David did. Do what Jesus did said we should do do what Paul preached and turn and repent and say Lord I need to get right deal with this wall let's do it God, we surrender all our lives to you. Thank you, God, for giving us this opportunity now through your word that says we can examine ourselves and deal with anything that might be between us and you. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for that. What a great opportunity you've given us in this time, this time to remember what Jesus did for us God, you instituted it for this reason because we are failable. And from time to time, though, we're doing our level best to walk in that righteousness of Jesus Christ, we slip, we fear, we get angry, and we need your forgiveness. Thank you, God, that we can come to you with this request today renew our covenant with you you're our covenant God you've made promises you always keep God we're the promise breakers you're the promise keeper forgive me for breaking a promise God forgive me we ask this God we ask it in the name of Jesus and now as we hold this bread we say thank you for it God thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ he gave his life on a cross for us we're not going to take his power or presence as a novelty God he made the way into your holy of holies he is the living tabernacle thank you for that God he's the living ark he is the one who made the way into your presence for us and we can enjoy your presence because of him thank you for that God we renew it with you today We ask you to bless this bread unto us, God. Bless it to us, Lord, as we become and desire to be that generation that seeks your face, your favor, your blessing. We ask it now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. next couple of weeks we're gonna talk about the walls we construct in our lives beyond these barriers between us and God for all the various reasons that we build up separations between us and others and dealing with those issues is imperative because this picture the symbol of the wall it's clearly a barrier and it may not just be separating God and us it's separating us from other people and we miss out on not only God's blessings but we miss out on the blessings of those people in our lives the blessings that we can receive from one another a wall can also impede our vision if we have a wall in front of us you know, it can get in the way of fully seeing all that God has for us individually, all that another might be able to put into our life. Impedes our vision as a church. Yeah, you, you saw how just one person was blinded because a guy had a beard. He looked different. What I would really like to see accomplished this month is any barrier any wall, any separation that is impeding us from being a person that can say, Lord, I want to be the generation that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. I want us to deal with them. And I want us to be able to say, they're gone. They're gone. And I believe that will help Unite us as a people, as a church, where we can see clear the vision that God has for us and we can move forward in it. Because what happened to David can happen to any of us. Hold your cup high. Hold it high as we ask God's blessing. Lord, we pray, bless this cup. Bless it unto us. Lord Jesus, the blood of Calvary, the blood you shed for us, Lord God, thank you, Lord, for what you did. The blood that washes away sin. The blood that makes us white as snow. Hard to understand, God, but we stand on it and believe it. And we thank you for it. Bless this cup unto us. May it be a cup of blessing. We ask it now in that powerful, precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. Let's drink together. Our God is so good, so good, and I hope we see Him as that today and not just take Him for granted or treat Him as a novelty. This morning, before you leave today, it's our custom to receive a dollar for our benevolence fund to help those in need. And if you would just maybe pass one or two down to the end of the aisle, our ushers will come and receive them. And I don't want you to rush out. Let's let them receive your gift, and I'd really like to sing that song one more time. And I would just like to ask us all to enter into his presence. You know, Jesus Christ made a way. I am so grateful I don't have to go to a temple. I don't have to go to a temple, a special place to worship God. I'm so grateful of the words that Jesus said to the woman at the well that I'd tell you, we don't need to worship here at this place that you say we should worship, and we don't need to worship in Jerusalem where there's a temple. No, we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I would like us, this morning, to sing that song and be people that are seeking not just his blessing, but let's seek entering his presence. And his word says... He is enthroned on the praises of His people. Will you praise Him today? Will you just tell Him? If you've been dealing with something that you've been angry with, God, I, I pray you took care of it here before our communion supper. And you've been released. And you can say, oh, I love you, Lord. You're great. You're my Savior. You're my King. There's none like you. Let's do that today. Let's do that as a church, a church united, a church that's wants to be in his presence and just honor him. Take a few minutes to to do that and close with a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thou art the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, our Comforter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are from everlasting to everlasting. You are the Messiah. There is no name, Above your name, Jesus, we love you, we adore you, we bless your name, we thank you. You're our rock, you're our fortress, you're our strong tower, you're our strength and our salvation. Be our righteousness, O Lord my God, thank you. Bless you, blessing and honor and glory be unto you, King of kings, the King of glory. Thank you, God, for making a way that we could ascend into your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. And if you want to raise your hands to receive the blessing that God gave Aaron for the people of Israel, let's pray that. Father God, I pray you'd bless each one here. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. And may the peace of God that transcends all of our understanding keep every heart and every mind and every soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.